someone compromised their main administrator account, said, give me a million dollars, I'm going to delete your company. They didn't. The hacker did. And like that, the company ceased to exist. This is SaaS Scaled, the podcast where data meets action with host Arman Shraki. Each week, Armin will be sitting down with CEOs and industry leaders from the technology sector, giving you the insight to innovate without reinventing the wheel. They'll discuss challenges, best practices, and how to identify the right metrics. So if you want to get to market faster and in a way that matters, then subscribe and join us every week as we discuss SaaS scale. This episode is brought to you by Curve, the modern no-code analytics solution for SaaS companies on AWS. The tools you need to take action with your data on a platform built for maximum scalability, security, and cost efficiencies. If you're ready to reduce complexity and dramatically lower costs, then contact us today at Curve.com. That's Q-R-V-E-Y.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of SaaS Scaled. I'm here with W. Curtis Preston at Druva. He's the chief technology evangelist, if I'm correct. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? And we would be very interested to know, you know, how you decided to join Druva and if there is any background that you can share with us so we can better understand the context and the questions and answers that we are going to have in this great discussion. Sure. So I've been specializing in backup and recovery for coming up on 30 years and started out as a backup guy at a large bank, went into consulting, did a lot of going around to large companies, helping them to design and redesign their backup systems to be more efficient. Made a lot of money on, you know, helping people just properly use tape. Now we've moved into sort of a post tape world and now much more into a cloud world. You know, I was looking for the next step in my career, and I decided to join my first vendor. I guess the consulting companies were vendors, but a company that actually produces a product. And I did see the SaaS way of doing things as the next frontier. At that time, it was a, a relatively new idea, doing both data centers and SaaS, backing up SaaS and backing up all these other things via a SaaS implementation versus a data center implementation. And at that time, we would have said that Druva was skating where the puck was going at that time. Now, in the last, really in the last year, you've seen all of our major competitors trying to come out with a SaaS offering. So we have to compete with them where what generally what we're finding is they're putting a SaaS label on something that we wouldn't consider SaaS, but that's something we can talk about later. And so my role is to help explain the technology around what we do, right? I'm not so much as a, a rah-rah Druva person as I am, you know, I, I find myself explaining things like why using SaaS for data protection is a good idea why you should be backing up certain things. Like I, I have a, a big argument, a constant argument with certain people in the SaaS community as to whether or not you need to back up 
your SaaS application. It just hurts my head to hear somebody say, oh, well, I, well, I don't need to back it up because it's SaaS. And so I think that answers your question. Sure. And then what about the company? Can you tell us a little bit about Druva and what they offer and what is the main customers that they serve? So we are data protection as a service, and we back up data centers, SaaS services, IAS services like AWS, and then endpoints like laptops and mobile devices, all as a service. So all of your data is deduplicated, then encrypted, sent to us, and encrypted again when it's stored in the cloud. And you don't have to install any infrastructure in order to use our service. To certain larger companies, they do want a local cache and you can put that in. We don't sell that. That's something you can do by yourself. But basically the idea is that you should be able to, in, in just a few minutes, start backing up whatever it is that you want to back up. In terms of what customers we have, it is really across the board. Basically, you know, companies with data. Our service scales down very well and it scales up very well. So it is a true cloud SaaS offering. So it, it automatically scales up and down throughout the day to meet the needs of our current customer base. And so we can back up the smallest mobile device and we can back up many of the largest data centers. So multi-petabyte data centers can be backed up even with the cloud using what we call source-side deduplication. I'm happy to explain what that means. But basically we can back up and restore pretty large environments. At some point, there's too much data and too little pipe, if we're, specifically if we're talking data centers. You know, if you've got a 20 petabyte data center and a, and a T1 line, you're not gonna be our, our target customer. But for every one of those, there are a thousand other companies that we're perfect for. Fantastic. I have a couple of questions in different directions. So let me start with this one. The first question would be, from your perspective, SaaS companies now are serving customers and in a way that maybe you mentioned that some of these SaaS services actually are not SaaS, SaaS but sometimes you know they are marketing themselves as SaaS, but we are in that kind of process that we are getting to you know, more native, real SaaS, meaning that software as a service offering to customers. At the same time, you definitely know security. And I would like to ask you, for SaaS companies, what you think from security perspective is something that probably we should pay more attention to that probably we are not paying enough attention today, or maybe even if you are paying attention, we could pay more even attention because that would be an increasing problem, you know, as a SaaS company and the kind of audience that this podcast has, I would like for them to really better understand the things that they should consider to put more attention there and, and be careful about it. I would say that a SaaS services nightmare would be one of two things. Either a customer of theirs was, a, someone was able to successfully delete or encrypt their data and have it be unavailable for them you know, to access. So some of the things that need to be done are, are against protecting against that. And then the other would be if, if someone were able to access the data, exfiltrate the data, and then use that data to somehow 
extort the company, right? That's the new trend now that the world has finally started having a decent backup and recovery response to ransomware. The companies are saying, well, fine, we'll, we'll exfiltrate the data and then and basically blackmail you instead of, instead of using uh, just encryption. So we'll talk mainly about the first one in the beginning here in that if you don't have, you know, native MFA, right, multi-factor authentication, I do think that you should require MFA at this point. I do think you should have native MFA, but I also think you should integrate with more sophisticated MFA offerings and SSO offerings like Okta, right? So the customers that want a higher level of security than, than what you're able to offer with your native solution can go get that from a company like Okta because they can do much more sophisticated things like saying, like sort of noticing user patterns and noticing that a user appears to be logging in from a different country or a different state or a different something than where they typically log in. And so let's let's force an MFA token at that point. I think you should force MFA at this point, meaning that every customer, every account should have MFA. I do believe in something is better than nothing. So, you know, if you're building a base MFA system, I would use an SMS-based system or the auth-based system. I would prefer the the auth-based system, right? The the one-time password method where you use something like Google Authenticator. If you're building in your own system, SMS plus that, SMS only if you're, if you're doing bare bones, but not using email as a third party, it's, it's way too easy to, to hack that. But then integrate with Okta. Do not let your customers say, well, I, well, I don't want to use MFA. I understand the concept of the customer is always right, but in this case, the customer is wrong. That customer who doesn't want to use MFA represents a significant risk to your company because a customer who pushes that they don't want to do MFA is a customer who is demonstrating to you that they don't care about security. And if they don't care about security, then they're also going to do other dumb things that will result in their account being compromised and your company's reputation being damaged. So I do think that you you should force MFA. I do think you know you should have native MFA, and then I do think you should integrate with a third party company like Okta. And that gets you a lot of security uh, brownie points, right? The other thing that I think that you should consider doing. Oh, oh! I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that that first part is if you don't already have role based administration, right? RBAC we call it role based administration. Implement that as quickly as possible. You do have sort of a a cloud admin, and the, but then that's the admin that doesn't do anything other than administrate other admins. And then you have these other admin accounts that have lesser capabilities. And, and you do that to limit the blast radius of one of those accounts being compromised. Now, there you'll, you will have to leave it up to the customer to, to properly use those techniques. But I think the more you can do that, the more you can do role-based administration, you allow your customer to have better and better security. That would be the stuff I would do on the front end. And then just the one additional in terms of the, the exfiltration risk is I would strongly consider you look into encryption of all data at rest, using the keys that the customer has access to, not you, 
if you're encrypting all data at rest, it minimizes, if not removes the risk that a customer's account could be exfiltrated and then data from your company being used to, to blackmail them. That's just off the top of my head. You can talk about whether or not you should encrypt the data, but everything else I said, if you're not doing MFA at this point and you're not forcing decent passwords, oh, by the way, this is a hobby horse. Please don't have in your password system, don't have these weird limitations of like the password can only be 16 characters or the password can only have these seven special characters. I've never understood why companies have that. I use a password manager. That's another thing is don't have when people are putting your their account into your to your user interface, make sure your user interface works with password managers. I know that sounds like a I don't know, like a weird thing to bring up, but I'm a strong advocate of password managers. And you'd be surprised at the number of websites where it just doesn't work. And then there's there's sort of three levels. There's one that just works. There's one where the password manager won't be able to automatically put the password in there and you have to manually copy and paste it in there. And then there's a third level of badness, which is there's even ones where they don't allow you to paste a password into the password field and you have to manually type it. What you're doing there is you're you're sort of incentivizing the customer to have a much shorter password than they would normally have, right? Uh, using a password manager. So anyway, I'll, I'll get off that, that hobby horse, but. No, that's a, that's a valid point. I'm using a password manager software, but you're right. Sometimes I go to some of these websites and they have some particular rules that the randomly generated, highly, you know, probably. They're like, oh, you, you can't use an ampersand. You can't use an ampersand in your password. You're like, ah, you're killing me. You're killing me. Yeah. It seems like, you know, it's random enough and it's big enough and the length and nothing is, has a problem, but those rules sometimes can be tricky, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, and right. have you seen them where, they, where they're like, oh, we, it can only be 12 digits or 16 digits or whatever, right? And you're like, hey, I'm trying to do a 25-character password here. Why do you care? But overall, this password entry thing, to me, it sounds like very yesterday, right? So I really don't know when, but I'm pretty sure that many smart people are really working hard to somehow make it secure, but also simple because it does not make sense to remember all of these passwords and doesn't even look that safe either. Honestly, as long as you're entering the password, there are ways to steal that password. Probably most people write it down somewhere or because otherwise they will forget about it. So there is a risk there. So I wonder when would be that time that there is a technology, a technique, a way, a method that says I'm secure and, okay, the identity problem is solved. It'll happen. It's not in my bailiwick. How's that, right? The big problem is you can, so like, I know Apple is working on it, right? So that'll work on Apple devices. Maybe it'll only work on iPhones. I don't know. I know that that's a big thing that they're working on. But then it's like, oh, well, I also happen to have a Windows laptop. Well, yeah, you're screwed. So what am I going to do then, right? So it really has to be, again, SaaS. I don't know. It's it's outside of my bailiwick. But I agree with you. I hope at some point, I don't know what the replacement is, you know, some sort of biometric situation. But yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert either, but I read that fortunately they are working together. So Microsoft and Apple and Amazon and 
you know, they are working together on a standard that all of them can support it. Because as you said, it doesn't work. It is just working on one platform and the other platform has a different standard that it doesn't work across platforms. So fortunately, the movement is there. The question is how fast we can get there. But but yeah, entering password in general, I think it's just... It does stink. But agreeing with what you're saying, MFA today, you know, a password with MFA is as good as we're going to get today. And if your website doesn't yet support MFA, shame on you. That's that's all I'm going to say, right? And I'm amazed at the number of websites. In fact, I can think of one that is in the identity management. It's essentially a personal security product. I don't want to publicly shame him yet, just in case they have fixed it. But it was just a few months ago where I was looking at this pretty well-known tool and I found out, oh, holy crap, you don't have MFA? How do you not have MFA? You're in the security business and you don't have MFA. I, I, yeah, anyway, so that's, that's all I was trying to bring up. And yes, I agree with you. I hope that we get something better. Yeah. And then the other thing you mentioned, you said you're amazed that some of these SaaS companies, when you explain to them or you know, you bring up the topic that you need to get a backup for your SaaS application from their perspective is this is a SaaS I'm running on AWS. I'm putting my you know application on this. Why should I need to get a backup? Because probably AWS has it in multiple kind of servers and it's taken care of and I have my source code somewhere else. Can you expand a little bit upon that? That what is the need? I can expand on that for hours, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a... Uh... So there's two answers to this question. One for the SaaS vendors and one for the SaaS customers, okay? For the SaaS vendors, which I, I think is your primary audience, right? Yes. Is it is absolutely not backed up, okay? If you're running in AWS, you know, if you're running on EC2 and similar services, if you're storing data on S3, if you're storing data on EBS, that is absolutely not backed up in any definition of any backup that I would ever say, right? There is a concept in the backup world, it's called the 321 rule, which is just like, if you don't meet the 321 rule, you're just not a backup, okay? Which is like three copies of the data on two different types of media, one of which is stored somewhere else, okay? If you're storing all your data in S3, S3 is, by the way, a great service, or you know Azure Blob or GCP, object, right? This isn't me bashing Amazon. If you're storing your data in object storage, it is replicated. Great, right? And it's checked for ongoing like data corruption and they can automatically fix data corruption, all that stuff. Great. If someone hacks your account and deletes those objects, they're gone. Okay. They are so, so gone. If someone deletes your EBS volume, and in fact, EBS is worse, EC2 is worse. Why? Because it's literally just replicating a VM in your data center. That That's all it is. If you delete that VM, if you delete that EBS volume, if there's a fire in the data center where that EBS volume resides, it's not, unlike S3, it's not replicated to three locations. It's in one location. So if you're not backing up, you know, the EC2 systems and the EBS volumes connected to those systems, you're waiting for something bad to happen. 
Okay. At least with S3, you've got it replicated to three locations. If one of those locations goes bad, then you can, so for example, if one availability zone is caught in a fire or a flood or something, the other two availability zones could take over. That's S3. EBS, the, the block storage, it doesn't have that, right? The good news is in the case of EBS, actually in the case of all three of the major cloud vendors, they all spell this out pretty straightforward of what's backed up, how it's backed up, if it's backed up. So for example, RDS in AWS. RDS is automatically backed up for you. If you have stuff in RDS, it is automatically backed up to snapshots that are stored in S3. But those snapshots are stored in your account. So if someone hacks and deletes your account, again, it goes bye-bye, right? So if you're running in a cloud vendor, and, and most likely you are, if you're a true SaaS company, you're probably running in some kind of cloud vendor and you're not actively making a backup of your stuff, it is not happening, right? And you are at a massive risk. Here's the boogeyman story, and it happened. There was a company, was a SaaS service called Codespaces. You can Google it, one word, codespaces.com. They were in AWS. They did not have MFA enabled, hello, <laughs> on, on their own management account. Someone compromised their main administrator account, said, give me a million dollars, I'm going to delete your company. They didn't. The hacker did. And like that, the company ceased to exist. Why? They made backups. They made backups. They used DBS snapshots to make backups. All those snapshots stored in the same account. Right? So when you look at the three, two, one rule in the, in the cloud world, you have to make sure that the data is copied outside of your account and outside of the region, right? You do cross account, cross region backups. It's possible to do that, you know, like with AWS backup, it's possible to do these things. It's just hard. This is why Druva, for example, offers a service that automates all of that. And to, just to make it easy to do cross-account, cross-region backups to make sure. We also now offer bringing that into Druva's account so that so instead of having to have you manage another account. Yeah, so if you're running in the cloud and you're like, oh, well, I'm in AWS, then I'm good, right? That's the 21st century equivalent of, well, I have RAID, and so I don't need backup. You don't even have RAID. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, if you're, if you're a SaaS vendor and and your IT, you're the person running your IT infrastructure is saying, oh, we don't need to worry about backup because we're in AWS. They're 100 percent wrong. Point in this podcast, and I'll tell them why they're wrong. And then just a, a brief word to the SaaS customers, uh, and and also to the SaaS vendors. Be upfront with your customers about what your company offers from a backup and recovery perspective for their data, right? So that everything I set up to this point was about backing up your data, your infrastructure to make sure that your service stays functioning. Now let's talk about the customer data. There is something we call the shared responsibility model, right? They should be responsible for their data. It is okay, I'm okay with you offering a backup service just make sure that when, if you do offer a backup service, make sure that that data is stored separately in a separate location, just like earlier, right? Make sure it's stored in a separate 
infrastructure, region, account, all of that kind of stuff. But be upfront with your customer about what they're protected against in the event of some sort of disaster, whether it's a natural disaster that takes out your data center or takes out the AWS region or the AWS availability zone in which you're running, or if it takes out you know, your infrastructure, right? Or if they get attacked by some sort of ransomware attack, ransomware attacks are getting much more sophisticated and they're specifically targeting accounts. They're actively getting SaaS user IDs and passwords. They're figuring out how to get around MFA. By the way, I love MFA. MFA is not perfect, right? I know of accounts where they hacked the email system and they were using email as their MFA. And so they got the username and password and then they got the MFA and the email and then they respond to the MFA. So they then had control of the over the account, right? Th this is not just script kitties and just uh, you know looking for standard vulnerabilities. They're actively targeting your accounts. And then if they get in there and in your user interface, they, they look like your customer and then they go and delete everything. What's the recourse in your product? Do you have anything natively built into your product? In Druva, for example, even though we're a protection product, we have to protect against, <laughs> against this stuff as well. We have multiple you know, configurations. We have settings so that for backup configurations, it's optional per backup configuration. You can say this backup cannot be deleted earlier than its retention period, no matter who you are. Right. So if even if you're the cloud admin, you can't delete this backup because you told us you didn't want that to happen. Right. We also have a recycle bin so that when you if somebody does come in and start deleting your world, deleting a bunch of backups, we will notice that we will notify you and say, hey, somebody's deleting thousands of backups. Is that what you meant to do? And you're like, oh, crap. No, not. Right. So, you know, so then you notice that and then you can then bring them out of the recycle bin. I think we support uh, seven days for that. So, so what, what is you, what are you doing for your customers protecting their data? And then, and then next to that is what facilities, how, how friendly are you to companies like Druva that are trying to back up your customers' data? Unless you're in like the top 10 of the SaaS providers, right? So we're talking like 365, G Suite, Salesforce. I don't know who the next four or five are, but unless you're those named guys, you're probably not getting a lot of pings from companies like Druva because you know there are thousands of SaaS products and we're not all trying to back up all of them, right? So the question is, what are you doing? How are you making it easier for your customers to get an off-site, off-account backup of your data. If you're building it natively, I would strongly suggest that what you do is use, again, a cloud provider. So for example, I use my website, backupcentral.com, has been on this uh, hosting provider called Liquid Web for years. I love them. I love their service. One of the things that they use cPanel is the virtual machine manager interface. And cPanel has a backup configuration. Every day, it creates a backup of my entire account. It creates it into a zip file, and then it pops it over into my AWS backup bucket that I have authenticated it to. And I also, just for giggles, uh, put one over in uh, GCP as well. If you created that for your customer, 
I would be so happy. And by the way, if anybody who's listening has done that for their customers, I would love to hear about it. I'll bring you on my podcast to talk about that. Because generally what I find is, is the response from SaaS vendors when you start asking them about backup is like response number one, huh? <laughs> right what what backup we're we're SaaS. we don't need the second one is like well we don't need backup because we're SaaS. you know we back up uh stuff or our customers are responsible for that okay are you open about that because a lot of customers it's not so much present in the is world but in the SaaS world it is this concept of like well i'm paying for a service and they think that the service includes backup are you being a hundred percent upfront with your customers about that and I'll just give you two examples. Microsoft, horrible at this. They obfuscate, obfuscate, obfuscate. And there are Microsoft people who are, you know, making money off the Microsoft world, openly advocating that you don't need to back up Microsoft 365. On the, on the opposite end, you have like Salesforce. It's like, guys, you know, there isn't a backup and we do have a service. Be openly honest about that. Anyway, I know that was a really long answer, but it's such a huge question that you asked me. <laughs> so No, no, that's great. Great points made there. So hopefully that will be very helpful to many of these SaaS companies. And honestly, as you said, these things are not a problem until it happens. So what when it happens is a huge problem. So definitely, you know, people need to think about these way in advance and not just wait until things happen because it will happen at one point. Yeah. Honesty, right. Being upfront about it and then just giving your customers the ability to, to make a backup, making that easy and making it easy for it to be automated. So just give you an example of bad. Okay. Bad is 365 offered no ability to backup. In fact, those of us that wanted to backup 365, we ended up using Outlook web access. We would pretend to be a user browsing 365, and then we grabbed the messages. That's how companies like Druva first had the ability to back up 365. On on the opposite end, you know, you had uh, Salesforce. You could create a a zip file that you could download. You know, you could do it once a day, once a week, but it was all manual. And then on the opposite end of that, again, is like the way Liquid Web works. If hopefully I've I've activated something in your head, you can DM me. I accept all DMs at WC Preston on Twitter. If you want some advice on what to do for your customers from a backup and recovery perspective, love to talk to you. Anyway. Fantastic. Another question, and not super related to the questions I asked, but it really relates to what you do as a kind of technology evangelist. So it's a general question regarding, you know, you have been in this role, you have written book, you have been even working at some of these uh, firms that essentially, if I'm correct, uh, at one point, you work with Tech Target that essentially you started even probably writing some of this content and, and technology related content and everything. So I wonder, based on all of the experience you have, if you wanted to provide advice to SaaS companies, which of them should really think about having a technology evangelist and what kind of companies and SaaS companies would benefit most? from such a role, such a person, because most of them may not have had this role at all, may not have experienced it, but you are on the other side and you can tell them, hey, I have been in different kind of parts of that and I can see where this position might benefit SaaS companies best. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, you know, thinking about it, I would say sort of a, a couple of things. One is the more complicated your product is, <laughs> right? The more you might need a, a technology evangelist. But then, so you know how I said, like, I spend a big part of my time explaining not, hey, you should use Druva to back up your SaaS. I'm just out there going, you should back up your SaaS, <laughs> right? <laughs> I spent a give a big portion of my time just having that argument, right? I spent a big portion of my time talking about what disaster recovery is, backup and recovery basics. And by doing that, basically, it's sort of an indirect marketing mechanism for Druva. The fact that I'm on here explaining what I'm explaining, and obviously, I'm, you know, Druva name comes up. It's an indirect marketing thing. Are there topics in your space that are debatable that an expert can debate? To be a technology evangelist, you have to be able to talk around the product, not at the product. You have to be able to talk about. So I have a podcast. I do 52 episodes a year, right? I might do 50. I skip one every time. You know, I'll, I'll take a day off for like Labor Day or something, you know. But, but for the most part, I, I do an episode every week. If I was just talking about Druva and what Druva did, first off, nobody would care other than Druva customers. I don't want Druva customers. I want the rest of the world. So you have to be able to talk around the topic. You know, I talk about SaaS backups. I talk about, so the, the, the episode that goes live Monday is about Jira, right? Obviously a SaaS Atlassian, the company. It's about a new product that's coming out that will help people back up. Jira, not a Druva product, uh, another company. You have to be able to, to do that. So the question is, do you have those types of topics or are you a very straightforward, I've got an idea for a, a SaaS service, like in my own personal time, something I'm, I'm thinking about doing. And it's the kind of thing where I have to explain, this is not a kind of company that has existed before. I have to explain to you why you might want this thing, right? It's something you've never had before. Why should it even exist, right? Do you have that kind of thing? Do you have this need to explain to people that they should be backing up SaaS? Do you, do you have a, a misunderstood part of your product where, well, why would I go to the cloud? It seems like backing up to the cloud, you know, I'm just using Druva as an example, backing up to the cloud. Well, doesn't that put all my backups on the other side of the internet? That seems wrong. Right? Shouldn't I have all my backups here in my hot little hands? Shouldn't I have them on tape? Shouldn't I have them, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's an extremely complicated world and a world that's full of confusion and, you know, and misunderstandings and some things that are actively being misinformed, sometimes from our competitors. And sometimes just, like I said, like these folks in the Microsoft 365 world that are out there actively campaigning that you don't need to back up Microsoft 365. By the way, that, that, that's only present in the Microsoft 365 world. <laughs> I blame Microsoft for that. I, it's because they're not, I don't think, in fact, they are not. They are not upfront about what is and is not included in their product from a backup and recovery perspective. And because that, it creates this void and that void creates misinformation. So if you've got that kind of stuff that needs to be argued, that needs to be explained, a person like me, and then I would say, if you're going to do it, let them be as independent as possible, right? 
obviously they need to be good at, you know, like during this conversation, I brought up Druva half a dozen times, right? Obviously that's part of my job. You need to be good at sort of doing that and not just eh, hammering, you know, being a salesperson all the time. You need to be good at explaining things that are helpful to people, right? I try to be helpful to people and to explain, to help them make that argument, right? Like like earlier in the, in the thing we're talking about, you need to be backing up. I'm trying to help the IT guy or the, or the IT woman that's at a SaaS company and they've been trying to they've been trying to get their company to back up their SaaS offering, right? I'm trying to help that person. I give them some, some ammo. Anyway, so I, I hope that it helps. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, you're right. I mean, the best way to do marketing anyway is through education. So I thought that, you know, the smart, maybe the future way of doing, not very traditional way of marketing is not just advertisement is actually something that has a meaning, has something that adds value to the people who listen. And that that way you are essentially doing the best marketing because they are more than happy to use that rather than, you know, it's, it's a very inefficient way of marketing that is just bombarding them with advertisement rather than adding any value to them. Exactly. So- and I would add, if, if you're looking for somebody, look for somebody that has an audience, right? Not just that they know the technology, but they have an audience of people that, that that listen to them or read them on a regular basis, right? They have a podcast, they have a website, they have a YouTube channel, they're a TikTok star. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it is in your world. Uh, I am definitely not a TikTok star, but uh, no one wants to see me dancing. But uh. <laughs> no, that that's a great point. That the audience is also great value added to a technology evangelist for technology companies, of course. I would like to ask you as well if you have any recommendation on any book that you have in mind that, you know, can create any positive impact for SaaS companies in particular, but also maybe for everyone. Maybe it's not even technical. Maybe it's just something that in general you think this is a must-read book that, you know, helps them in one way or the other. So there's a couple of my favorite business books. They're from a few years ago, but the first is, <laughs> it's got quite the title, How to Castrate a Bull. Okay. That is a business book and it's from one of the founders of NetApp. And it is, I think, a great book on sort of building demand for product and building and listening to your customers and that sort of stuff. Another great one is uh, Creativity Inc., which is the story of Pixar. It's all about how to foster creativity in your company. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention my book, Modern Data Protection, right? So that came out in May of last year. It's a good high-level overview in a little bit under 400 pages, not a huge book. If you find the world of backup confusing, I think this helps to, it helps to explain it in language I think that's easy to understand and gives you an overview of the whole world and find you areas where you can where you can dig down a little bit. By the way, you can get it free. So if you go to druva.com slash ebook, they're currently licensing that to, to download it for free. So fantastic. Thank you very much. It was a great discussion. And I think many of these points that you mentioned, at least for me, it was very educational. I learned a lot and I hope it has been the case for other SaaS companies listening to you as well. As you can see, I'm passionate about the topic, so. (laughs) Fantastic. 
Thank you for listening to SaaS Scaled with Arman Ishragi. For show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode, go to sasscaled.com. If you're enjoying our show, give us a five-star review and share on LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe for any updates on future episodes. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Curve, the modern no-code analytics solution for SaaS companies on AWS. The tools you need to take action with your data on a platform built for maximum scalability, security, and cost efficiencies. If you're ready to reduce complexity and dramatically lower costs, then contact us today at curve.com. That's Q-R-V-E-Y dot com.